evening, gentlemen, and variations thereof. Welcome to the Selectives Lorecast, a casual Elder Scrolls podcast. Today, we are talking about Vivek. It's all Vivek, all the time. And uh, with me today are... I am Chris Franzen, also known as Mojo. I am Cody Hagee, also known as Orta Corvus. I am Pilaf the Defiler, also known as the Legate Cyclonopus, and I have a tomato, a killer tomato. <laughs> My name is Luther Weiser. Uh, I am also known as Darcis or Siddhartha. Flippers. Australian. Australian, dude. Sorry, there's like two people before me on the thing. Um, hi, my name is Nathan, and my username is Mr. Flippers. Uh, my name's not Putnam, but it's my username. So <laughs> that's about it. Uh, hey, I'm Tabitha. Uh, I am known as Slowed, or alternatively, not that Slowed. Is <laughs> it not the one who's been banned from everywhere or the one who has been banned from everywhere? I'm not the one who's been banned from okay. everywhere. <laughs> okay. So, and oh, and of course, I forgot to mention my name is Chris Nelson, but everybody here knows me as Rotten Deadite. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we've been getting a lot, there's been a lot of attention uh, up toward, uh, sent towards Vivek's direction in the past half a year i think mm -hmm. and uh the, the problem is that unless you unless you played Morrowind and unless you paid very close attention to Morrowind, it may not be entirely obvious why vivek is worth all this kind of attention and that's what we're here to talk about uh we're here to talk about what vivek is and who vivek is and what role he plays in Morrowind and the other games and what role he may or may not be playing in the future um, so let me scroll back up to where our, uh, to where the, uh, what order we were going to do things in here. Dead air. Dead. Okay. So origins. Yes, this is a good one. Okay. So one of the, one of the more controversial aspects of Vivek is that, um, all, it, it, well, okay. Who is he? All right. Um, well, who is, who is he? We're going to use the right word here. Uh, Vivek is a member of the tribunal, one of the three uh, uh, mortals become gods uh, in Morrowind, and uh, one of the three who rule over uh, Bardenfell and the Dunmer, the Dark Elves, or at least did until the ends uh, until the ending of Morrowind. And I'm not going to spoil it any further than that because a lot of you people still haven't played that game. For shame. Uh, yeah, and shame on you. And uh, the other two uh, members of the tribunal being Almalexia and Sothisil. And like in most things in Morrowind, these three are representing the same three uh, uh, organization, uh, the, the same three classifications of the mage, the warrior, and the thief. But we'll get into that. In a minute. Vivek is commonly called by sometimes by himself as the most public face of of Almsavi of the of the tribunal. He's the one who uh, walks through uh, the the Dunmer public. He, uh, Vivek's the one who's seen most frequently by the Dunmer people, and Vivek is also the only member of the tribunal that you can see in Morrowind unless you buy the tribunal expansion. 
But as important as Vivek is, as probably the most public face of the leadership of the Dunmer, it's not entirely obvious who he is or where he came from. And the only source that you have in Morrowind, to the best of my knowledge, is the 36 Lessons of Vivek. And if you read those, the first thing that will pop to mind is probably what in the hell am I reading? And the second thing is by the time you're done reading, you'll really seriously wonder whether this is a work of fiction or not. And, you know, and, and to be honest with you, I don't know if anybody here can actually accurately like can do justice to whether or not the 36 lessons of Vivek is fiction or not in, in, in the span of a half an hour, you know, <laughs> like we could probably spend an hour debating just that it's uh, and that it's complicated partially because Vivek appears to have when Vivek and uh, the rest of the tribunal became gods, it's sort of implied that Vivek wrote the 36 lessons of Vivek and rewrote their entire prehistory up to that point and became the author of his own divinity, which is a complicated concept and very metaphysical and, uh, and, and without question, the act of a God. So Vivek is, uh, uh Vivek and the tribunal are also, I, I would like to mention for those of you who played Skyrim and not Morrowind, you might find a little bit of an interesting parallel between these characters because they are like Talos in the respect that they used to be mortals and are now gods. But for extra bonus credit, you can tell me why Talos doesn't count and the tribunal do. Except so, you know, don't give it away. <laughs> um, they're, they're, they're competing below in the, in the comments below this video for bonus credit, which nothing at all. So, um, so in the 36 lessons of Vivek, the prehistory that you get is that Vivek was born from uh, was born in an in egg form, conceived by the combined influence magical influences of Almalexia and Sothisil in the body of a uh, Dunmer commoner, and uh, evolved like a Pokemon from. Uh, <laughs> From the uh, from his from her egg form to uh, eventually a humanoid form in I want to say Sermon Eight, and yes, the Netcherman's wife. But I'm trying not to again, not the full bucket of crazy. So, <laughs> or if you want to say the easier way, uh, is it? I don't yeah. know. It might be. Uh, but then I have to explain what a Netcherman is. So yeah, all right. hunts Netches. <laughs> Yeah, everybody knows that is, if you play Morrowind, it's the big floating jellyfish. Like a, and, hmm? I thought it was kind of like a shepherd, but for Yeah. Yeah, yeah basically. It's, it's like a rancher. It's like, it's basically Vivek's mother was the wife of a cowboy. It's basically saying it sounds sexier origins. than it is, actually. That but yeah. so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah really. origins is the point. Of, uh, yeah. And, uh, and, it, because you're not given a different story in the 36 lessons, it's easy to just sort of assume that this is actually the case, that this is how Vivek was born. But when you find out, if you read it all closely, you'll eventually figure out, even within the span of Morwen, that Vivek was not born a god. And that raises the question, well, who was Vivek before 
before Zoo was a, a god. And the answer appears to have been given to us by Michael Kirkbride in a document called What My Beloved Taught Me, <laughs> which is that Vivek was the uh, offspring of a Nechman and his wife and eventually became a hoodlum, possibly uh, some kind of amalgam of a prostitute or drug dealer or gang member or something. He was a street urchin. In, yeah, in Mournhold, I believe, right? It was Mournhold, right? Yeah, he was in the Morninghold. Which we yeah, assume is Mournhold. Like, yeah, it was somewhere around Mournhold, I believe, but not like mm-hmm. in a Mournhold because, you know, that's where important people live. It was sort of like on the outer end of it. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah, that makes sense. And, yeah. And this is all part of the sort of uh, dichotomy of Vivek's relationship with Nerevar as was he a teacher or was he or was he, um, you know, Nerevar's, you know, friend or was he even just some dude? I mean, it's actually kind of left wide open for you to decide for yourself. but I, I would kind of like to hear from everybody about what uh, actually I, I, I would really like to hear from everybody about what they think Vivek's role was in the tribunal before they became gods. Um, <laughs> I'll start talking. Uh, I think it's pretty important to note the sort of importance uh, story-wise of Vivek writing themselves into the role that they did because often i mean if you look at real world stories you look at all of these sort of you know almost jesus-like figures and they all are born you know of virgin mothers you know like virgin not necessarily in the like sexual virgin sense but virgin and the not reliant on a man sense and you know vivek wrote uh, their father out of you know being in the 36 lessons which is super important because that implies all of this you know yeah you know like maybe there was abuse happening there too and stuff like that which is you know at least some level of intolerance it's also important to mention that the immaculate conception concept is important for a number of reasons basically what the one that i like the most is that it means that the character or being has been born without the sin of desire yeah definitely exactly um and everybody remembers the whole you know desire without lust for like like work without lust for result thing yeah Mm -hmm. Okay, that this—that's exactly it. It's the, this is a this is the divine creation of between a man and a woman done without any form of desire, which is uh, about as divine as you can possibly get. Right. One of the cool things I saw today, and I, I actually never thought about it this way, was um, our good buddy Thox put this on Reddit um, in Sermon One. Uh, Let's see. Ayam came uh, first to the village of the Nechemen, and her shadow was that, yada, yada, yada. I totally lost my spot. Uh, but basically, it almost puts the egg, so to speak, of Vec into the Nechemen's wife. And then yeah. set um, in the ocean, um, the homunculi. Sends forth a horde of homunculi, yes. Yeah, sets, and set inseminates I, the egg. Yeah. Yeah, and so he almost he he writes out his from the previous reality, depending on how you like to think the sermons go, if they overwrite anything. Um, but the prime reality, so to speak, Beck writes out his parents and makes Almalexia and Sotasil his parents. 
Well, he doesn't write out his mother. His mother well, is still very important for his a mother. Just right. becomes yeah. the vessel in which he's he shell. Yeah, which I think yeah. he he's, will regret. I I think at some point down the line he'll he'll regret um, writing his mother out it, 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 as just a shell. You know, just a a receptacle for his divine being. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's it's uh, go go ahead, flippers. Jet. Okay. Uh, that thought you had something to say. Uh, yeah, I do. But if you want to keep going, I'll go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I thought Jesus. Um, no, yeah, I thought. Um, considering he sort of did write himself to be sort of like the child between. Alexi himself is still um, he's always meant to be this sort of in-between point of Almalexia and Sophocle because they both show such um, you don't think so I am I'm nodding I agree 100% he's oh, the okay. uh, yeah. Vivek is the bridging point the, between yeah, the opposite the, the chiral entity yeah he's when you get the two together um, and I feel like he wants to he he wants to do that and he wants to write that way because you know the the thesis lessons is such a big thing to everyone in Morrowind and it's sort of trying to solidify his legitimacy as one of the god kings of Morrowind. But in doing that, he still does care for his mother, and so he he shows that he does care for her in the story. But you know, as she's about to die, I think. He says, you know, the fire is mine, let it consume me, and all that stuff to show that he does still care for her as she is his mother, but he's given up that really, that familial role with her so that he can be more closely linked to the two larger mythic figures, which are going to wind up being more important to him than his mother really is and to everyone in Morrowind because who's the next man's wife compared to Alan Alexia or Soft of Seal, you know? Yeah. And he, he has to juggle he has to juggle this, whether he wants to show how much he cares for his mother and how he's related to her or how much he is, you know, one, a mythic figure linked to two other gods that the people of Morrowind love. Yep, that's an excellent point. It's, uh, it, it's really and and also it's worth mentioning that Almalexia and Sothasil were the leaders of uh of House Inderil before they became gods. Yeah. So yeah, so that makes it you're right, it makes it even more critical that Vivek is able to explain himself as being a bridging point because you know, I mean how how else are you gonna make yourself important? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh and it's interesting to to me that Vivek's sort of metaphysical responsibility there, as as the self described mastery between mystery and mercy, he's mastery because he has to be, because you can't be the bridging point between two opposites without being a master of both. Um, yeah. And, but at the same time, and, and it's something else that I try to emphasize in in the in the commentaries that I'm writing is that the 36 lessons, like when when you when Vivek is the master of both mercy and mystery, it doesn't mean that mercy and mystery are lessened in any way. It just 
you you kind of have to right. imagine this sort of like contradictory nature of of two opposites and then the third thing that enters into that you know without lessening the other two um yeah one of the parts of mastery being juggling that yeah and um so i i think that a lot of i think that a lot of people can spend a lot of time i think that okay Let's not let's not beat around the bush. I think I can spend a lot of time talking about uh, what Vivek's life was like before uh, becoming a god, and I would like, and I'm going to try and keep it short. But uh, let me let me let me ask this question, so I'm not the only guy rattling on here. Um, from what my beloved taught me, what do you think you guys can assume is true about Vivek's life as a mortal? Oh, well, I always sort of... Wait, hold on a second. Let's get Josh's... Josh has something. Go, Josh. Okay. I got an altogether more mundane observation to make about Vivek that gets overlooked a lot. Um, he's the youngest of the tribunal. Like, no matter which version of the story you read, he's, he's either just a baby and omalexia and sulfacil or adults or... You know, he's from like the gener. He's like from a subsequent generation. So I always feel like he's personified as having more to prove. Which is why he's oh. like the most gallant knight, the first council. You know, he's always putting himself out there because he's kind of got the younger brother um, syndrome a little bit. Vivek <laughs> <laughs> is immortal if we imagine that he was not, or had the little man syndrome maybe a little bit, which mm. might be why he put himself out there so much. That makes sense, him comp having to compensate for that. I mean, I could see him being. Um, you know, in this time, kind of uh, vulnerable to uh, that kind of self-doubt to where he overcompensates to, you know, get on, you know, their level, so to speak. It's yeah, a conversation that, they had. Yeah. Jesus, get on my level. Get on my level. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, I was also I'm, I'm a little bit self-conscious about this because I just it just occurred to me that I'm being really bad about using gender neutral pronouns when we're talking about Vivek. Just and I'm, just, that. I'm really Funny. bad at it. And I apologize if I'm offending throughout, anybody. You know, yeah, I'm working for, at throughout, it th throughout this entire thing. I'm probably going to refer to Vivek as he. I don't intend for that to be an insult to anyone. Yeah. It's just when I when I talk, it's going to be straight off the bat and as quickly as I can get it out, really. And the. <laughs> Here, so no offense. Uh, it's just that he and she come to my mind a whole lot quicker than anything. I think else for does. continuity purposes, it would be better if we would all just agree on a pronoun. Otherwise, I'm just going to end up skipping over my own, like tripping over my own words, even worse than I do already. Yeah, Cody, you've got uh, yeah. something. Yeah, uh, uh, kind of building off uh, what Pilaf said and what was mentioned before, the uh, the, the potential for there being a uh, history of abuse there uh, in here past. <clears throat> and we we know, I know we we're going to get into sexuality later on, but I, I do think it's important at this point to mention uh, Vivek's intersex nature. Um, and as someone born into a hyper-conservative society, uh, which the Dunmer uh, most definitely are, um, Arguments could be made both ways, actually. Um, which I, yeah, I kind of like doing. It, it, yeah, they've got this it's, weird radical. Oh, sorry, I'll let you go, man. Yeah, yeah, it's, let them. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I think there's there's definitely a potential that maybe, uh, you know, kind of building off what Pilaf said, uh, Z came from a background where there was a constant need to fit in, um, especially as someone growing up in in that society with that kind of a, a, an identity um, that I've, I think that the the struggle there and and the abuse and the the need to to shine potentially uh in spite of all that uh is is worth uh considering mm-hmm. that's a good that that's sense. a good point i forgot to mention we we like it's it hasn't stated outright but i think it's a pretty safe bet to say that vivek is the only intersex being in the entire history of the elder scrolls at least you know, heard you know. Of <laughs> at least name yeah, yeah. well we, I, you would think that someone would have mentioned it, you know. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, the only yeah, I okay, agree true, with that. the only intersex mortal. That's that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think that like if he weren't the only one, it might just like him being born like that might just serve to exacerbate just you know. Yeah. The the divinity. There's, there's certainly yeah. a big deal made out of it, made out about it at least. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the question is: Is it like you know because Vivek is a god? and intersexed, then it's easy to understand how the culture in Morrowind might say, well, being intersexed means that you're closer to being divine. But before Vivek was divine, was that the case? And I I, I, Uh, don't know, but I would speculate that it wasn't. Given the history of being a street urchin, prostitute, thief, beggar, I think we can safely assume that, that Beck had a difficult time in here teenage years, younger uh, years growing up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's a pretty safe bet. Um, yeah. So what do we think of, what do we think Vivek's job was as a mortal in the tribunal before becoming mastery? Ooh, Strategic advisor. Yeah, I think just an advisor. Uh, as as yeah, a thief, as an obviously brilliant person, Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, an accomplished liar, uh, poet, mm-hmm. uh, uh, all the things we know about Vivek. Uh, it it fits my mind that he would have been if if you had Sothasil as the uh, you know uh, sort of Nerevar's royal vizier, so to speak. Uh, uh, you know, uh, mystery, magic, all that, all that good stuff. And uh, you know, we obviously have uh, Almalexia in a warlike aspect. Being, being the warrior queen and whatnot, um, I think that to to balance those two between those two, you have an advisor. You have someone in a strategic capacity, um, who's you know clever and and uh, conniving and you know all those things that Vivek is. Oh, Vivek also mentions in how my beloved what my beloved taught me. He mentions that 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 uh, uh, here ha- that he has the third eye. Mm-hmm. Some kind of a psychic ability, um, mm-hmm. which isn't really adequately explained, but yeah, yeah, it probably doesn't even have to be. But um, probably yeah, not. I yeah. Definitely think Vivek is um, like an advisor role because his relationship with Nerva is so strong that even though he might have made this up in the thirty-six lessons, but there's even a point where Nerva goes to his wife of all people. And says, "Where, um, where is my teacher? Because I miss him." Um, <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I think a, a part of being an advisor is necessarily, yeah. I think it's 
because Nerva was such a high, prestigious leader, he had to not only, you know, think he, he knew someone who wasn't just uh, smart in the sense of Sothosil, who was very intelligent, but he needed someone as well who could understand what the common people would live through or what even people who lived in shit, you know, felt mm-hmm. like and how they thought about things and so- someone who could think on their feet and understand how common people live and not nobles of great houses. Right. Right. Because, I mean, especially, I mean, a lot of this can just be blamed by, you know, them basically going batshit by losing their divinity. But we see in <laughs> Tribunal that Amalexia and Sothisil both just completely are just removed. And, I mean, I know that they became more removed as the years went, but if they were both the leaders of House Enderil, then they were probably already like that to some degree. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got a little bit of insight, I think. Uh, I got a comparison to make with Vivek. I'm going to compare him to a historical figure. Um, what a counselor and an advisor? Are any of you familiar with Romance of the Three Kingdoms in any capacity? Oh, oh yeah. Chinese. Mm-hmm. There's a figure uh, in the kingdom of Wei called uh, Sir Mayer. Uh, that's the closest I can get to Chinese pronunciation. Sorry. And uh, Yeah. Well, that's all. They call him that in well, anyway, uh, <laughs> that's how it's spelled. He's Tsao's advisor, and he enters into the story as Tsao's giving a big speech. Uh, he lost this big naval battle, and um, you know he's he's the ruler of his kingdom. He's supposed to be this ultimate boss everyone looks up to. And uh, halfway through, he hears this guy loudly snoring, and he's like, "Who? How dare you sleep during my speech? I'm the mighty Tsao." And the guy's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. It's just..." You're boring me to death. You have no personality. <laughs> I see that guy. I see that guy as Vivek. Oh, like, I, I can see like one of his possible origin stories is Nerevar's like, okay, we lost this battle against the Nords, but next time. You have no personality. And like he's so impressed by the sheer intestinal fortitude of this person that takes him in as an advisor. So that that's a little bit of headcanon I got there. And that might not necessarily represent, you know, the truth, but I, I can see that uh, a characterization as being something you know, that he possesses. He's very witty, very sarcastic, sardonic, you know. They're all having these big meetings, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, we really got to move some troops through, you know, this or that place. And then you just look off in the corner and he's the guy that's just like fiddling around with something, like halfway painted. Doing like, <laughs> Doing yoga or something, yeah. <laughs> what was that picture that I saw of, like, Vivek with his head removed? And he was carrying yeah. a bat. Like, like the guys from the labyrinth. Like playing <laughs> And Amalexia just I looks so it. angry at him. She's so pissed. Yeah. <laughs> There's that knowing look between him and Amalexia and and Nerevar is just like, hey man, pomegranates. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Nerevar's down. He's totally down. He's like, hey, pomegranates. Yeah. That's the... I don't um, anything seriously, really. Yeah. Well, uh, there's actually something. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I don't really have much. Go ahead. Okay. Um, well, I might be in a minority on on this. Uh, something that it's always been kind of a, a a thing in my mind that prior to Vivek's apotheosis, I like to think that he is nothing more um, than a 
uh, Nerevar's having an affair with him, basically. Uh, He was never really (laughs) a big advisor, or he was, but only as a cover so Nerevar could go, you know, take him into the broom closet and, you know, have a go, (laughs) you know, at a moment's win. Um, Franzen's been reading the sex house document. Yeah, yeah, oh, I don't know. Um, but I, I like to think that he fucked his way uh, into divinity, basically. Because uh, you know, he, he mentions that he, and what my beloved taught me, uh, for you, I would learn to read and write. Uh, you know, so that, that implies that he's illiterate. Um mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have a lot of skills outside of, um, you know, alleged prostitution or, uh, you know, straight hooliganry, mm-hmm. um, you know, which I mean, I'm sure can come in handy, you know, having those kinds of, oh, sure, you, you know, whatever kind of skooma dealing, whatever. Um, Run-ins with Cyrus. Yeah, <laughs> not at that point. Not at that point. Not at that point. But yeah, I, yeah, I like to think that he basically, uh, you know, worked his way in and um, post apotheosis uh, made himself a little bit more significant. And you know, going off of what we were saying before about him compensating, uh, being the younger, having the younger brother syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he literally came from the bottom, the very bottom and wrote himself into being at the very top um almost right. to where you know i see a lot where a lot of people say vivex and mary sue um which i, I mean nervar is a mary sue yeah exactly is the mary sue is saying i kind of think it could be somewhere in the middle he starts off with no skills and he's like on the surface, he's very flippant and everything. But I think he's also the guy that like up until like two or three in the morning, every morning, like after, after everyone goes to bed, he's the guy that like sneaks up and he's like trying to teach himself to read and stuff. Like, right. Really trying to improve himself, but he never really can catch up because so that's still, I agree 100% with that, actually. Yeah, that's exactly I what I was thinking. We can really hit the ground running with the whole, you know, maybe he was Narevar's lover idea because. I mean, you can look at like the historical role of, you know, prostitutes and men in power, you know, a lot of times those prostitutes become, you know, the man's advisors, you know, or like their confidants uh, and things like that. So I think that we can go with that. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's um, the, the, the concubine. Uh, as you hear about right. them in most in most histories, yeah, and it does kind of make you wonder why was why was Nerevar even talking to him in the first place? In what my beloved taught me, it looked mm-hmm. like he was filling out a poll, but what to what purpose? You know, um, yeah, I think wasn't it just he was uh, hanging out uh, with a trade merchant or something, and under his merchant captain, they went to stop. I think, and he, oh, well, that's Nerevar in the lesson. Like yeah, yeah Nerevar just walked over and was like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" Well, actually, in the in the lessons, Vivek is like stalled out on the side of the road, waiting specifically for Nervar. Mm-hmm. Here's how I read what my beloved taught me. If I can just say real quick something, um, it almost seems like Vivek was hanging out with a little gang of hoodlums, like throwing rocks at walls. And this big Indrill <laughs> cavern comes by, and something about him like gets Nervar's attention. Like he looks over mm-hmm. and sees. Yeah, and like he just sees something in him. So he holy crap! That, that little that little kid over there is hot. 
Well, <laughs> like this guy's got potential or this kid has potential, you know, maybe a little bit of both. But that's how I read. It's hard to say. And unfortunately, the author isn't here with us. So. Um, <laughs> and I'll make sure and guilt trip about this to no end. Uh, <laughs> um, it's uh, th there's a lot of the a lot of Morwin's basic like sort of philosophy that it endorses is one of personal authority and above just you know inter personal interpretation and that's and the nature of reality as the as the way you choose to interpret the same lie everyone else is given. Mm -hmm. um, but the uh, so there's a there's a lot of very good reasons to not have these things specifically written about Vivek because part of the whole point is that we don't know them. Um, right. And we're not intended to know them and we're never going to. Uh, and frankly, some of the, frankly, to be honest with you, some of the best fan fiction I've read is about, you know, the tribunal as mortals. So I'm kind of mm -hmm. happy with that. Otherwise that fan fiction would, wouldn't exist. Um, <laughs> no also benefits. some of the better slash fiction you're going to catch. That's true. Um, <laughs> So let's okay. You know what? Let's just dive right into the right into the fun subject. I just want to talk about Vivek's Wang for a little while. What sometimes Wang? And I, I just kind of want to point out that this is something I've observed in a lot of fan communities, especially in comic books, where it seems like you can't talk to a comic book nerd for like 15 minutes without them eventually starting to talk about Superman's dick. And and yeah, yeah, actually, I posted you know. on Tumblr like not long ago saying questions about Vivek in anticipation of this. And one of the first questions was, does he have a giant dick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good yeah. guess. <laughs> when he, it's, I guess. Um, yeah. So, um, but uh, so uh, again, if you haven't played Morrowind, cut it out. But if you uh, but if you play Morrowind and you read the 36 lessons of Vivek, you're going to read from Sermon 14 forward a lot about Vivek's spear, which is called Buatra. And it's uh, it's it's sort of referred in it's, it's implied in no uncertain terms that that Muatra is uh, a, a, at the very least a symbol and at the very most definitely Vivek's penis. And the a lot of people have sort of. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who were really confused by this about why Vivek is going around stabbing things with his penis. And <laughs> who doesn't? Well, yeah. Well, first off, you know, given the opportunity, you know, would no one else? Um, well, actually, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with milk ta milk taker in just a second because that's a that's a, like what we're forgetting. What I'm forgetting to mention here is that um, is that Muatra is more than it's Vivek's penis and his vagina. It's his entire sexual organ uh or organs i don't know what the right i don't know um but the reason why the reason why it's important for vivek to have a weapon or an item or or to utilize his uh his sex in this nature is because it sort of uh is a reference to the uh to hindu mythology in the uh uh in the hindu god shiva who has a mm, a symbol called the lingo, which is stated outright to be uh, in poorly translated documents as Shiva's penis. But in fact, if you read into this at all with any great depth, 
you'll discover that what's actually happening here is that the linga is what they call a uh, a reference or a symbol of Sheena, of Shiva's penis. It's not literally Shiva's penis, which is important because there are cultures that exist where if you build a statue of a god, then that is literally the god. You know, it, there's that that you have constructed a statue of your of whatever demon you're worshiping, and then that is actually the demon. Um, and so. Oh, good lord. Uh, okay. Uh, sorry, I just read the chat. <laughs> Stop doing that. Um, okay. Uh, all right. So, uh, I really, that doesn't show up in these things, does it? All right. Okay. Um, so, uh, in this, and, and the reason why it's important to consider the uh, linga as a marker is that it is referencing not Shiva's sexual organ, but Shiva's. Uh, uh, a generative power, sort of, of uh, of the um, uh, 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 God, what's a good way to put it? Um, uh, well, in in Vivek's case, I can very easily sum it up. It's the uh, it's uh, uh, Muatra represents Vivek's power to affect change, uh, which, which what, is what in, are, in the mm -hmm. I'm sorry. What genitals are at their basic form? Well, it, 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 it's it's an it's an element of creation, exactly, and it's it's a much more metaphysical and complicated concept than you know Vivek walking around slapping people with his wang, which is entirely too humorous to be true. Um, and uh, hey, Simon fourteen. What Simon yeah, fourteen? He literally does that. <laughs> Yeah, he that he actually well, but you see, that's the thing is that you can read Sermon fourteen, and it says that he uses Muatra to kill his the children that are running around. Or I think it's actually fit, mm. so technically, I think it's Sermon sixteen uh, that that happens in. Oh uh, no, I it's say. Sermon fourteen it where there are demons. Yeah, yeah, there, uh, no, there are demons in Sermon fourteen. It is fourteen. Observed it, and what? Yeah, yeah and, what and he spends the rest of his. Go ahead. Know, what they do. Is um they basically observed Vivek and Molagbal doing it, and from that I think they did the uh, was it spear biting I think, and the earth was wet from it and some shit like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And um after the event, Vivek just goes nuts and just starts going through everyone. And I think th I think the uh, quote itself is um something like anyone who touched Muatra was turned to bones or something like that, mm -hmm. and the wise still hide from Muatra. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, it's the but it's important that that what's being said there is that it's Muatra that does this. It's Vivek's spear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. marker icon of his uh, of of his uh, sexual productivity. It's not. Um, so in, in fact, if you read the thirty six lessons, if you kind of look past the whole "this is Buatra, guess what it represents" thing, it's really just Vivek's spear. It's uh, literally a weapon that he's killing things with. But it's important that you don't just limit yourself to that interpretation because it is very relevant to Vivek's character that um, that that he's going around killing things with his with the with the um, the, the the powerful essence of his being because especially when you start reading the thirty six lessons and start uh, analyzing uh, the way that what Vivek's children are and the way he dispatches them, it becomes very important that you understand that he's absorbing or changing pre like all in aspects of himself. Yeah. Mm, and, yeah, and so when he in 
Uh, I think that's a bit of a problem in Tez law is that a lot of people want to, because of how usually, you know, this goes in a lot of other uh, franchises and stuff, is that we want to get one theory and then we just want to run with that and just stay with that. Whereas in Tez, you can't just have one view on one thing. It can be many things at the same time. At at the same time, it's really important. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's uh, you have to keep all these contradictory and disparate ideas in your head at the same time. And that's where you get the truth from. It's not just one easy story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we could do a whole podcast about objective objectivism. uh, I'm building up to it, believe it or not. I've got, I've got a document that's entirely about stuff I want to talk about before we hit that junk. And then after we hit that thing, we head immediately into me explaining Coda, which is going to be, there's, there's a good quote, like a two parter. Six hours. Yeah. Truth mm-hmm. and Star Trek, actually. There's an episode where Warp is talking to these young Klingons who have never <laughs> Klingon creation myth before. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I really like that. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, great soldier of the Klingon Empire did. And this one kid's like, is this is any of this actually true? And he's like, "Well, I discover new truths every time I read the stories." Yeah, oh, that's a great <laughs> yeah. way to put it. That's a yeah, fantastic so like, way to put it. Excellent. It doesn't have to be literally true, but there can be truth in it. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's um, Vivek himself. I think it mentions a couple of times that it's really important for every lie to teach something, mm-hmm. uh, because otherwise you're just jerking off. You know, it's that there's got to be a purpose to every uh, every one of his. Um, untruths or, or then what the hell is even the point of getting out of bed in the morning? <laughs> um, let's see. Well, I'm uh, actually not even out of bed to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we had to tell him to put a shirt on. So <laughs> yeah, actually, did. um, uh, let's see. We've, we've hit on pretty much all the big, Things that I wanted that I was personally looking to hit on mm. without getting okay. too terribly ultra nerd about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it, like I like to tell people I, what I do in the Elder Scrolls community is a little bit like what Star Trek nerds do when they talk about how warp drives work. It's, <laughs> we're pretty much at that same level of nerd at this point. Um, <laughs> we could just like go into something a bit obvious, like probably the first thing you're going to notice about Vivek is say his skin, how it's uh. Oh. Kind Thank of. you. Yeah. Yeah. It's two colors. It's uh, it's the it's uh, it's uh, everybody remembers right. Uh, all you people at home remember uh, that the Dunmer were cursed in some way by whom depends on who you ask. Uh, that uh, where they uh, they used to look pretty much like the Altmer, and then something happened, and then their skin turned this dark. Brown, you know, bluish, blackish color, and their eyes turned red. And Vivek is half and half. He's one half Chimmer and one half Dunmer. And uh, like on one half, he, he's got the old um, Ashlander type armor, and on the other half, he's got like the Great oh, House yeah. Enderil. Yeah. That's what the Enderil armor. That's right, he does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Huh. That I had not actually seen. That's. A little frightening that I did not know that actually. Yeah, I actually I'm didn't realize that until now. What the hell am I even doing? What the hell is? <laughs> 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 yeah, 
Yeah, if we want to talk about that, um, what do you guys think? Is Vivek ambidextrous or is he right or left-handed? Definitely ambidextrous. Yeah, he's got to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. But why, but why is Vivek... About why would the timer side be the right hand or why would the dumber side be the left? And I've always wondered both. about that. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, because, Which is... one, because one side of the arm is a lot bigger than the other. So I figured yeah, that I mean, into it. And, and also in my right hand is how I I crushed the world in my right hand, but in my left hand is how it could have won against me. Oh, right. So if his left side is Dunmer, then are, is, is Dunmer the victory against opposing against all odds? Hmm. Well, it kind of does that in Coda. But and in, and in Sermon 36, it does it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, is there a reason why Vivek is half Dunbar and half Chimber? Absolutely. I feel like he lives in both worlds. Yeah. Yeah, it's more the um the merging point again, because um even though they didn't put it in the game, Sothasil is written to be uh Dunmer. Um, whereas I'm sure about that, as we know, I really want a citation on that because that's really, that's a, that's a big deal. And I really want to find somebody to tell me where that's from. Um, You'll find the uh, opinion is split on that in the, in the community. Yeah. yeah. I'm with him. I see him as a Dunmer. Um, I see the Dunmer skin tone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In all honesty, uh, I can't think of a Dunmary text to go off of at the moment. I do know that, uh, as unreliable as it is, uh, two nine twenty last year of the first era talks about him being a Dunmer, which, okay. like, again, is not a great source, but it's a source. So, it's yeah. better than nothing, yeah. It shows okay. that there's yeah. an idea that he's Dunmer. Mm-hmm. I should point out that, that 2920 also says that Vivek is a Dunmer in a fine red robe with long hair, so... <laughs> I'm going to look that up. I, I, I <laughs> look that up. Hey, hey, okay. hey, some people are confused about the fire. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, maybe they just kind of, you know, uh, he had a bad hair day and the, and the fire was all, you know. <laughs> God knows I've wanted to do it. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. That's, um, hmm. Okay. What does the fire hair represent? I think it's in the sermon. I couldn't tell you the exact passage. It, 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 it's one of my favorite, like, literal, st- pretty much literal statements in a. Uh, the lessons that Nerevar, I'm pretty sure, misinterpreted. Uh, he, Vivek was getting his sh- head shaved, and Nerevar asked what that was for, and Vivek said, to make room for the fire. <laughs> well, I mean, it's I, not I maybe it's like... Uh, <laughs> it could be partially metaphorical, but he sure was... Maybe, he was on fire later. Maybe he's getting his vanity so that he can be closer to the divine, you know, like hair represents mm-hmm. something like the Buddhists, you know, they shave the heads. Maybe it's yeah. Oh, I thought I thought the fire was meant to be in reference to the um the Boethian prayer that the fire is mine. Let yeah, I mean it's faith. It's mm-hmm. like so the, the whole connection to mine. the It's is, was that it? That's a Boethian prayer. I did not know that. Uh, well, Boethia is the only deity that's mentioned in it, so I figured it would be. It's a prayer to Boethia. It's a very old prayer. Yeah. Oh, I found. I apparently I wrote a whole freaking thing about it on the Elder Scrolls. On TES lore, apparently it's. Did I? Hold on. Uh, I User I got a message. There was something done some time ago <clears throat> regarding that. I didn't know. Um, <laughs> 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 Internet is not terribly fast right now. 
Dead air. Somebody say something for here. It is. Uh, oh God, it's a huge, it's a huge article. It's really long. Okay. I'll just, I'll just try to remember to link this in the comments below because it's a, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> apparently I wrote it and then forgot all about it uh, is, is apparently what happened. Um, oh, that's right. Yes. It, uh, it has to do with the, uh, yoga Hindu and yoga concept of perfect knowledge and divine, uh, power through, uh, just, uh, ed self-education of uh, becoming aware of the true nature of the universe and uh, and the, the, the power that you gain from that knowledge. It's a little bit like Chim, but not quite. It's, a, it's, it's less of a state of being and more of a collection of, of, uh, of, of just knowledge, of just skill. No, um, I gotta say something in relation to that. The NPCs in Morrowind, like you read the metaphysical stuff like 2920, but the priests and the people that talk about the gods say that they achieve their divinity through supernatural effort and study. So mm -hmm. that kind of ties in. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with Vivek's nature as being mastery of the three, as being, I mean, that's, that's what the divine fire is. It's, it's mastery. It's um, also, I mean, everybody knows that the whole thing about uh, man stealing the secret of, of fire from the gods, right? Prometheus. Prometheus. Prometheus, is that not exactly what they did with the Heart of Lorcan? Yes. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. I wanted to get into that a little bit, too, before we're done. <laughs> and instead of being picked by birds, they got weird eyes or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm. But but good good pointing out, they were punished. Right? Yeah, well, mm -hmm. yeah, punished by Clifford. No, they were punished. They were, like, a physical aberration happened to them. They were punished physically. Their eyes weren't pecked out, but their eyes were turned red. Their skin was turned, you know, dark. And that's, you know, that's the, the consequence for stealing fire from the gods, except instead of it just happening to the tribunal, it happened to all the dungeons. Or it didn't. Or maybe it was Vivek's brooding that brought on their chain. Who knows? Or, well, it really depends on who you ask. Maybe it was because someone broke a promise to Azura. Right. Well, there's a theory there too that that was not the the end of Azura's punishment. Rather, uh, the the theory I like is that that was only the beginning. That was the smokescreen. Mm -hmm. um, that was Azura. And I'm the coming, really the the coming of of the Nerebrian and the the downfall of the Tribunal and the the Red Ear and all that was really Azura's final. That's Revenge is a dish cold. Yeah, and that's um, and uh, Azura's relationship to the tribunal is interesting, considering the fact that Sothis Hill is supposed to be she's supposed to be the anticipation of Sothis Hill. So. Yeah, you know, it, not to get off on Sothis Hill, but it, it, did it seem to you? Did it seem to you like Azura almost was like a little bit sorry that he died? Like, even though he's the one that like stood up to her, like you seem to not hate him as much as the other dude. Yeah. Maybe she just wishes she was the one who did it. <laughs> well, it's also possible that Sothisil being the sort of like, you know, like a shut-in that he was, didn't really spend a whole lot of time exploring the duality between him and Azura. Whereas Amalexia and Boethia clearly had a, like, a, a were clearly buddy in some way because of, you know, what a boss Amalexia was. And, uh, and, um, it's and, and Vivex. Um, it's straight up says that in the 36 lessons. Um, um, I think it was uh, um, Alexia, whose shadow was that of Boethia. I yeah. mean, shit. <laughs> what more do you need? She wears his face as a war mask. Like, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, all all Enderil guards. Hey, that's something we should talk about. So, of course, um, at the uh, towards the end of Thirty Six Lessons, it's referenced, but uh, everybody who paid attention during Morrowind knows that Nerevar was eventually killed by the tribunal um, for one reason or another. Well, uh, okay. spoilers. Yeah, yeah, tough. Suck it up. <laughs> the game's ten years old. Get past it. Um, and so, uh, and 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 without telling exactly how this happens, basically you're told pretty much outright that the that Vivek cur- that Vivek murdered uh, uh, Nerevar, and uh, the three of them used the uh, Heart of Lorcan to become gods. So, mm-hmm. considering the fact that Almalexia was Nerevar's wife. Mm-hmm. And we can sort of imply that Vivek had some sort of a physical relationship with Nerevar as well. How, what do you think was running through their heads when they decided to stab his ass in the back? <laughs> um, I've, I've always wanted to hear that uh, discussed, mainly because for it to have happened, every member of the tribunal had to be in on it. That means not just Vivek, who we see a lot of and we hear a lot of, but that means Almalexia had to do it as well, and Sothasil had to have a reason for it as well. Yeah. yeah. I've always wondered, I mean, like, you can can see Vivek's point of view, you can see Almalexia's. I've always wondered, you know, what would have gotten Sothasil on board with that? Yeah. Because he seems like kind of a passive guy. Yeah, I've kind of felt that he... Being, you know, the Sidic and everything, he of all people knew what messing with the Hive of Lorcan would do, and he's the one right. who converted the tools anyway. Um, I feel like he he was at a moment where he thought either my best friend stays alive or I can help out an entire country better than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. So I think what do I do here? Yeah, because you can even like look at uh, Sothisil's letters. Uh, you know, to do to do a fur or however the fuck you pronounce his name. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, basically like I really fucking hope you don't have all this shit because that's you don't need to be messing with that. So is that coming from like personal experience or like did he always know that? Because I mean he's a smart enough guy, you'd think that he would have gone into it, you know, knowing something about it, but Yeah. It's got it's it, surely he was Yeah. That's uh... It just doesn't seem realistic that Sothisil wouldn't have would have shown up like, oh, we're killing Nervar today. Oh, crap! I would have brought some plastic bags, but I, uh, <laughs> I guess this is what we're doing today. This is how my day is going to go. Um, plastic bags. Um, yeah, just, just, I think just going to fight the Dwemer and the Nords and the Orcs and everything. Like that. It'll be fine. No, let's, another day. <laughs> let's, I think, to, to, to come to an answer for that, let's consider uh, everything we've discussed about Vivek so far, uh, being the intermediary between the two, being a uh, just charismatic as fuck person. Um, mm-hmm. I believe his his strongest. Uh, well, I mean, it's we we've said it here. His his his, his greatest power was his words, uh, beginning that his ability mm-hmm. to influence people with his words. Um, and if you look at the state of the Chimer at the time, uh, you know, you're looking at a war-torn nation uh, pushed to the brink of, of a genocidal war with two enemies. 
one within their own borders and one right next door. Um, so, you know, I think it's entirely feasible that Vivek convinced the other Tribunes that, you know, we have a shot here to really give our people. Um, I'm a big fan of the heroic Vic idea. I mean, I don't think he's a good person, but I do think he did most of the things he did with the best interest of his people at heart. I think that really on every single level uh, of Vivek, we can look at it from a duality point of view because every single Absolutely. thing that Vivek does, we can break it down, you know, into two separate parts. Um, right you are, best friend Tabitha. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I had a point, but you made me forget. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, uh, it, it's certainly worth mentioning that uh the state that they were in at the time of being at war with the uh, with the Dwemer and the uh, uh, and the Nords meant that they were uh, they needed every advantage they could get. And if I recall correctly, and I think I do, Nerevar's decision to not use the Heart of Lorcan was based entirely upon advice from uh, um, Boran Dagoth. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, oh, yeah, no, that's right. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it and and it. You know, and depending on what version of the story you're reading, he may or may not have gone back to consult the tribunal, or they may have been there already, or um, it's not entirely obvious what. But, um, you know, it's possible they could have made a very solid argument when they showed up, and and uh, and and Boren Dagoth was insane. They could have said, "Well, look, I mean, it's clear that his advice was no good, and mm-hmm. we need to use the heart." And I'm pretty confident that Nerevar probably would have just said, no, we still we're going to honor him and do what he says. Um, and, and then you get into a real actual honest to God argument instead of what I also think was going on, which was Vivek was sitting in the background with his hands like, and at least one version of the history, that's what happened. Oh, of course. yeah. Okay. Uh, what, Whoever the fuck was talking before me said about Vivek being good versus bad. I think a lot of times people really get caught up on that in community discussions. Like, you know, they'll get an argument mm-hmm. like, is Vivek a force for good? Is Vivek a force for bad? You know, like, mm-hmm. you really can't simplify it into just one thing like that because of Vivek's whole dual nature. I mean, that Vivek does good, down. Vivek does bad. Well, the only thing Vivek's ever going to probably admit to would be that he's either a force for change or he's a force for good of the Dunmer. Right. I mean, that's what he would admit to. Whether they know it or not is debatable. (laughs) (laughs) This this goes back to, I mean, we get this in history, too, and it goes back to when we were discussing discussing the different uh, religions a a few podcasts ago and how it's it's something that makes Tess more, more... like our real world than than some other um, fantasy universes may be. Um, you know, you look at any leader in world history, any one of them, and you never get a, a completely good person, a completely evil person. We have, uh, you know, uh, let's take Caligula, for example. We have, you know, the guy was in, in power in Rome for four years, and... Uh, you know, nobody remembers the the public works projects or the the uh, you know anything good the guy did. You remember him for making his horse a senator and and sending the senator <laughs> to a whorehouse and being just absolutely batshit insane. 
Well, um, let's stop talking about this and talk more about Vivek's dick for a little while. <laughs> no, I'm, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and and so I think it's important to keep that in mind. I mean, we don't have you know any any figure in history, and uh, most figures in TES, I'd, I'd wager, uh, could be looked at through that dual lens of yeah, they do uh, you know uh, like like uh, Doctor Who says you know you you got a pile of good things and a pile of good, bad things, and the bad things don't necessarily cancel good things out. Mm. Or vice versa, mm. yeah. Yeah. In, in all, in all honesty, I feel like talking about whether Vivek or really any character, except in the case of let's say Dagotha or Dagon, um, it's dumb to say is this character good or bad. Like, come well, on, man. I don't think that we can you, even you, really. We can't even say they're bad. Like, we yeah, can't even yeah. get into that with Dagoth Ur, though. Like, we can't even get into whether Dagoth Ur is wholly good or wholly bad. Because you got to admit that Dagoth Ur is a really fucking sympathetic character. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, that's the point, though, that he isn't clearly good or bad. And he's not oh, meant okay. to be good or bad. And I don't think any of the characters, aside from maybe Dagon in Oblivion, because, let's face it, that main quest, not that well written. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I know the characters aren't meant, meant to be. Come after you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. I, I, I just don't think the characters should be just good or bad. They should be their own thing, and their actions should be good or bad, but not just one or the other. Well, yeah, and I mean, that, I would agree that that applies for, you know, most, if not every character in the Elder Scrolls, but I think in the case of Vivek, it just exacerbates it, you know, the whole mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think we should probably spend at least one episode just, you know, just for, uh, you know, self-indulgence and just talk about Dagoth for like, you know, an hour. I would love to. One analogy to make about Vivek as a character and whether he's good or bad. Sure. Uh, the book, Vivek, talks about the secret but most people about it because it was so far in the you know who can really say that kind of reminds me of the mentality people have about Mussolini like say what you will about that Mussolini but the trains arrive on time you know yeah it's it's um well okay so <laughs> As I, I like, as I like to say, almost every time when we get to the towards the end of one of these things, Elder Scrolls lore, it's complicated. Um, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of what else. Homework. Oh, yeah, I, I, your I kind of want to. Nope. Is there anything else that we? Um, I kind of wanted to just going back to the Battle of Red Mountain, where Nerevar <laughs> is eventually killed. I've, I kind of feel like um. The tribunal standpoint and Dagoth's <laughs> or Varen Dagoth's uh, standpoint was uh, choosing between whether you do something right by your mate or you do something right for a whole for many. Do you more like people. another? Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Do I, can you guys not hear me? No, we can. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I heard a lot of background chatter, and I that thought like, you didn't hear me or anything. Um, yeah, I just felt like Dagotha was. See, he's falling no, down. Yeah, he's like um, the hub of Volcan. We can't mess with this. You know, it will. It, who knows what it can do? Buddy, stay away. And whereas the tribunal were like, 
I, no, 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 come on, come on, do it, do it, come on. Yeah, come on, go on, go on. And, but, but they had, like, the tribe, yeah, it was that the tribunal wanted to do good by a lot of people in Morrowind, whereas David okay. wanted to do to do good by his best friend, Narabha. That's true. And he was yeah. really, like, you can read the dialogue that Dagothar's dialogue in Morrowind is very upset that shows up. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell, you know, like, dude, what do you, you know, put your damn sword down. What do you think you're doing here, you know? I mean, <laughs> and, and he says, like, you know, um, I think it's a line about sneaking or something like that. It's like, is this yeah. how you come to me? Like, your best friend? Like, this is how you're treating me? You can't just walk to me? Like another person? Come on, man. I thought we were bros, dude. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's interesting because, d- d- like, one of the... One of the things about Dagothar is that, it, I mean, he was, he may have been Nerevar's closest friend out of all these people. Because, mm-hmm. and, and, and he was clearly he was one of his most trusted individuals. Yeah. He was the only one who didn't betray him. In a way, well, him and uh, um, uh, 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 Landra Sewell. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. What I find interesting is, like, there's very little mention in the 36 lessons of you know, Warren Dagoth by name. Like, it's just, you know, the Charmat all the uh, way through. Like, we yeah, don't actually true. hear about what he actually might have been. I kind of feel like because Vivek doesn't care, probably. Well, yeah, he doesn't. But I well, just... Vivek's got an impetus to whitewash his past, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he can't, right. he can't paint his enemy as a good guy. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I seem to remember the Charmat being pretty, like, a different person or something. Like, the, uh, what was it called again? The Charmat isn't Dagothar, or Dagothar is the Charmat, but the Charmat is other people as well. I was I always took him as a, a manifestation of a newic force. Yeah. yeah. He seems to be some sort of manifestation or like he's, he's, illusion, the, he's, definitely old, he's the ancient yeah, all very like a role rather than a person. Bella led them away from. He's the devil. Like mm-hmm. almost an Oriel type figure. Don't think don't they actually call him the devil Charmette or the devil Dagothar yeah. at some point? Yeah, um, yeah they call in, him the devil Dagothar like lots. Uh, in, but, but that's in the Nordic text, uh, the Five Songs of King Wolfhart. That's not in uh, the 36 Lessons or yeah, I think any okay. Dunmary text. It's all in yeah. the dialogue, though, in the game. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. The devil, like Dagothar. Dagothar and the devil. Yeah, yeah. yeah you definitely get that. Especially Ashlanders. I think I, I, think I heard that, yeah. Um, uh, 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 Cody, you wanted to talk about Coda? Yeah, well, we have, uh, uh, I don't know how much we want to give away about Coda for those who have not read it yet, but you've had ample time. We have in Coda, we see, we see in the sermons at the beginning and, uh, we see, I guess in, in, in the games, I guess you could say through in, in at least Marwin through Oblivion, uh, through Skyrim, we see the middle, and in Coda we see the end. We see a post-apocalyptic <clears throat> world laid low by uh, you know the Numidium and, and whatnot. And I think we could discuss, and I mean we could probably spend an hour discussing uh, Lorcanic uh, forces working through Tamriel, and the nature of Vivek as being a very Lorcanic figure. And what we have is the when we get to the Anantimorphic event, which created the god Talos, um, we had a meeting where, where when Tiber was going through and conquering everything, he wanted Morrowind. He goes 
into Morrowind and has a little sit-down meeting with Vivek, and we don't know what is discussed there. Mm-hmm. All we know is that Tiber walks out of it with Morrowind being integrated into the Emperor Empire under very, very special conditions mm-hmm. given to them, and yep. and that he does. Uh, and that Tiber walks away with the Numidium in hand. Um, and this is where we get into another one of my crazy, crazy crackpot uh, theories I'm, I've, I'm like to create and promote. Um, but the idea that, that Vivek saw Talos or saw Tiber for what he was. Um, <laughs> well, well, both, uh, well, both Vivek and Nerevar had seen Talos or Tiber one way or the other in a dream long before he was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the uh, in the um, uh, thirty six lessons, they see him as the uh, red diamond so, of conquest. So, yeah. so how would uh, how how do you think someone like Ulfric would react uh, finding out that Talos was a creation of an elf? As in, as in, Vivek gave him Numidium, knowing full well that I, in the I future think, Numidium would come back Vivek, and create landfall. I think it, it's totally, totally Vekian, if you will, that <laughs> he knew. From the moment Tiber came to him, what Tiber was and what Tiber was capable of, and you look at the thirty-six sermons, all that is is a manual to godhood. It's it's a manual on the walking ways, and I think when they had their little meet and greet, the uh, Vic sat down with Tiber and told him, "Look, here's what is. You're going to leave here with the most powerful tool," and I think it was a premeditated and intentional. Uh, uh, Action on Vivek's part to create Talos. Well, let, let me back up your argument. Um, the love letter from the Fifth Era quotes directly from the Thirty Six Lessons and says these are the clues to love and how to avoid landfall. As in, Vivek in the Thirty Six Lessons was writing a manual on how to survive landfall. So he knew mm-hmm. landfall was coming. He knew what landfall was going to entail, and therefore, mm-hmm. I agree completely. He gave yes, Numidian to Tiber Septim, knowing full well that it was going to come back and cause landfall in the Fifth Era. Yeah, as in through godhood that is described and talked about in the 36 lessons, can you survive landfall? Which, yeah. you know, I guess Tiber does himself because he's walked every time away. Well, and then, back as well. And, and both when we see both of them in there. It's true. And, and yeah, all, of that was, all of that was necessary steps to the eventual creation of the magical space baby. <laughs> exactly. That's one way to put which it. Is, with, which is Amaranth, which is, without a question, something that Vivek knew about before Landfall happened and something that he clearly desired. Which would make him possibly the savior of... Of, of Tamriel in general. Tamriel yeah. itself. I mean, it really Certainly puts him... the architect kind of, of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he knew, he knew there were things happening. Sorry? Hmm? What did you say? Oh, I, I was saying I wouldn't necessarily say that just because in Landfall, um, you don't really have a savior of Tamriel because all you really have is a savior of the people who lived on there and then fucked off to the moons. Um, I mean, Tamriel is, yeah. Tamriel is gone. But yeah. the but they but the Dunmer survived, and I think probably yeah. what you could say is that Vivek's plan wasn't a plan to save everyone in Tamriel; it was just a plan to save his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting, especially when you consider it with the fall of, you know, the Minister of Truth and everything. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he he's Vivek spent a lot of time beating the shit out of his own people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, in terrible ways. In in the trial of Hogatham Hall, he blew one up just for shits and giggles. <laughs> what I do. love that. I love that so much. And it's it's sort of like, uh, it, but but um, uh, has everybody here read the Dune series, or at least Frank uh-huh. Herbert's Dune series? I haven't. I like to uh-huh. draw a lot of parallels between Vivek and Leto II, and Vivek's golden path is what I like to call it, of the mm-hmm. idea that Vivek saw landfall coming and has been preparing his people to survive it by beating the crap out of them all the time, by 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 creating, a, yeah, by, by abusing them so that they are cut into better shapes and become something and, and eventually become a society and a culture that can create what eventually, you know, God, Jesus, uh, oh yeah. man! It, it creates the the it, they create the one person who can inseminate Vivek. Mm-hmm. You know what's cool about that too? Oh, uh, I'm glad you brought up Dune and Letter the Second. Um, you know, because it kind of goes back to um, what Cody was saying that I, I think it was you, Cody, that said that was mm-hmm. saying that Tiber gave Numidium um, as a catalyst. For landfall, um, not only did he know he was happening, he knew he'd have an active part, which is kind of similar to later the second um, with the golden path with the scattering. He is yeah. what what the people think is him totally fucking them over and ruining all infrastructure they had as an empire, but in reality, he saved humanity as a whole. And you know, and that 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 is a really good parallel. I think we can kind of draw into Vivek. Well, um, MK said something the other day when we were we were talking about about uh, Vivek and one of the one of the threats, and, and I don't know which group anymore. Um, but he said, you know, somebody somebody was somebody was talking about you know, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Uh, you know, he said, oh, oh, Vivek is absolutely evil, but to uh, to, that doesn't mean that an evil person can't have heroic traits or be a hero. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it that thread about the uh, like RPG alignment thing? D&D, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, those, I think, those kind of annoy me in general. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, let's not get off on a rant, but because um, <laughs> we will about about RPG alignment charts. But no, 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 no. All right, all right. okay. Because <laughs> um, we've hit, we've hit well over an hour here, so let's. Um, uh, yeah, let's 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 bring it to a close. I'm not saying that we're not going to bring this topic up again. You know, it kind of feels like we still got plenty to talk about. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, in the meantime, I don't know what the hell's going on with this podcast, dude. It hasn't been, what, two weeks since we did the last one? I mean, <laughs> what, like, what the hell? Time is a flat circle. Shut up, Princeton. Um, <laughs> we've, we've done this before. What is that, Nietzsche? Shut the fuck up. Um, so, uh, uh, we're, oh God, this is such so weird for people who haven't seen that. Um, we'll, we'll. We've been the Selective Zorecast, and we'll see you when we see you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Enjoy. Uh